It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petham here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 1-0 win over Manchester City. Of course, we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon, heading into the evening if you're in the UK. I'm not sure if this will go out in the evening or first thing Friday morning. We'll figure this one out. But nonetheless, sorry for being late. Things didn't work out. But nonetheless, it is important to talk about this one. There's a lot of context and for good reason. Like I said, Aston Villa won at Manchester City nil uh, of course Leon Bailey getting the goal by a little bit of a deflection I think it's fair to say in the 74th minute Yuri Tillemans getting the assist arguably the most complete performance I've ever seen um supporting Villa uh, a lot of people will probably bring up Newcastle the 3-0 win at Villa Park last season but all in all I mean just from minute one it was basically all Villa and every single player was up to the task but joining me today of course is Mr. Dom Phillips. Seb was supposed to be here but he decided to catch a cold and not be Mr. Consistent. Was going to give him plaudits for being consistent for a couple weeks in a row but nonetheless he loses that title. So anyways Dom how's it going for you? It is going well thank you. Um, I'd agree with what you said there. I think you know being able to talk about probably the greatest Villa, well definitely the greatest Villa performance I've seen in my lifetime. Having the privilege to talk about that on a podcast um, you know, with you is amazing. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, good. Well, we all know it's been a very, very long time since Villa have beaten Manchester City. Of course, we have to go all the way back to the year 2013. So it's been just over 10 years. I was in September of 2013. So it's been 3,721 days since or between wins, you could say. Now it's, um, of course, null and void. But since then, a lot of things have happened in the world. Of course, there's been two royal weddings. Um, the Apple iPad, I believe, was actually uh, the first one that ever came out shortly after that. Donald Trump was president. Uh, there was COVID, of course. Uh, Queen Elizabeth became the longest reigning monarch in the world and unfortunately passed away. Greece announced bankruptcy. Um, there was a lot of things going on with emojis. Uh, different captures in the world in terms of things going on in the Middle East. Uh, of course, there was COVID. The ice bucket challenge existed as well, and Gangnam Style was a thing. Villa were relegated and promoted. Just too many things to name as good examples coming off the top of my head. So a lot of things going on. A lot of things have changed. And I, I guess for me, of course, when you look at the 2013 when Andy Vyman standing in front of the whole tent is probably the most memorable thing there. The one thing standing out for me from last night's victory is Leon Bailey giving a big fist bump to the Villa faithful. So hang those in the Louvre, hang them wherever you want. They're memorable moments. But I mean, Dom, without me rambling on too much, I, I just want to hear your raw emotion, your thoughts on yesterday, last evening's victory, because we can call it the most complete performance we've ever seen. And some people may look at City's side with it, the likes of Rodri, Grealish, De Bruyne being injured, injured, sorry, et cetera, et cetera. 
but Villa just took this team to task. And maybe it's bold to say, but you would almost think Villa, based on the way they played yesterday evening, were the side that came off a treble last season. Is that too bold to say? No, I mean that's I think that's what anyone would say if you watch the game. I mean, you know, we you know, you talked there about the how important the victory is and how incredible the victory is. And obviously as fans were basking in that emotion, you know, I am like last night I was just speechless. I was just watching the telly and I just couldn't believe what I was watching. Um, I'd, I'd literally, I'd finished work at uh, 8 p.m. So I had 15 minutes to get back. I was I'm working like a retail and I had to like jog up. I had to jog home, like literally was like running home. Path was like slightly frozen. So I was one, making sure I kept my balance, you know, getting back in time for the game, cracking open a beer or whatever and watching that. And, you know, it's just amazing because as, as we say, the, the victory itself, amazing, but, what you touched on there is not just the fact that we won, you know, with the absentees that you mentioned, um, it was never, and with the form that we're in at home, that it was never inconceivable that Villa would, the Villa could win. You know, I fancied it. I thought we were going to win 2-1 was what I was saying before the game. I, I felt like we were going to win. I felt like this was the time we were going to beat Man City. I felt like the stars were aligning in some sense. What I didn't think was possible was the way in which we did it. And I think anyone who says that they thought Villa could do that to Man City, even the most ardent, you know, rose-tinted, claret-blue-tinted spectacles of Villa fans going into that game. No one could have thought we could have beat Man City like that because statistically, Pep Guardiola's never lost like that. Not just, you know, at Manchester City, of course, but, you know, in, in over the course of his whole career as a manager in league games, 531 top-flight games. If you look at the stats, stats are all out there. I know. I don't want to keep reeling them off, so I'll let you guys, like, you, you'll have all read them and heard them a hundred times. But, we know that he's not never been beat like that. And that's why this performance and this result is the biggest thing that's happened to Villa in in my lifetime. It's the biggest thing to happen because now that, you know, 7-2 was amazing, but it was a flash in the pan. Three results happened behind closed doors. It was an amazing night, but it, you know, it, it, it was, it was, I think it helped us that season, but I don't think it was anything more than that. It was a flash in the pan moment, as I say. Whereas this, this game was a landmark. This game was was a watershed moment almost. I felt um, throughout the game, um, you just got, I just got the vibe that we're a champ, we're a Champions League team now. Um, in waiting, obviously, um, that as I say, no one's done that to City. You know, all of my friends who are normally rabbit on who aren't Villa fans, who I rabbit onto Villa about, and they're like, oh yeah, we're right, Villa this, Villa that, blah blah blah. But this time they're actually like, Do you know what? Fair play. Did not see that coming because of the way that we did it. 22 shots to two and those two shots for Man City coming within 10 seconds of each other from one double chance. The only time Haaland touched the ball really because he was too busy, couldn't get any, couldn't get away from Diego, Carlos and Pau Torres. Um, and every single week, every single season, every single month, whatever time frame you want to use, there's one man in the world who consistently defies expectations and changes my belief and other fans' of belief of what the limit is for Villa and how high can we go and how how high can we dream? How much can we hope for from this football club in a in a, in a sport that's got, you know, um increasing involvement from nation states and unequal money distributions across the football league pyramid and across Europe. And Villa are in a very privileged position, obviously, within that. But consistent looking upwards, what I'm trying to say in football isn't always easy. But Una Emery 
consistently changes the limits and pushes the ceiling higher and has completely transformed the lives of Villa fans and completely transformed the fortunes of this club. It's, as I say, it's a landmark moment and it really marks our arrival in that European footballing elite because that performance is something that will live on in Villa fans for generations. Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of people, like I referenced before, will look at the 3-0 Villa Park win over Newcastle last season, and they'll probably yeah. say that's a transformative result and a performance. And some people may look at this one without watching the game fully and maybe just seeing some highlights. Even with highlights, I think actually it does it justice as well. But th- maybe they say, again, there's some luck to it. And of course, there's a, luck with, a little bit of luck with everything I like to say. But... I think this is another one of those transformative examples. And I, I think it has to be. This isn't your, you know what, you, you sit back and you just kind of hold it together and you nick a, a one goal win. This is utter domination. Now, to be fair, of course, City did lead in possession as you expected, but it was only really because they had a few spells of possession, most notably Coming out of the second half, Villa looked a little bit, I wouldn't say shaky, of course. They had to kind of regain their footing. You're, you're going to expect a side like City to have some um, domination of the ball at some time. But again, Villa really didn't look like they were under too much pressure. Again, Villa started off very well. City grew into the game a little bit, and then Villa just took back over. And then for me, it's it's riding those moments out because typically, especially coming up against sides like City, Villa might get a few moments of the ball and that's about it. But it was just so much different than that. The, the closing down, holding them in their own in their own box, their own half, seeing Erling Holland have to come back and defend. I've never seen him have to play so deep and come back and clear the ball so many times. When you look at possession, of course, 40 or 54, sorry, on city side to 46 on Villa, it's people may not really care about that, but I can't see soon too many sides that have, held that close of percentage to City. 22 shots for Villa overall to, of course, City's two, those coming from Erling Holland, two massive saves, of course, from Emmy Martinez, and we'll get onto that for a moment because I really felt like that set the tone for the rest of the game after that. Seven on target for Villa, of course, like I said, two in the entirety for City. We had six corners. They had absolutely zilch, 13 fouls apiece. It's... It's just, it's mental to look at those stats. And of course, there's deeper line ones. I don't really want to get into that. I'm not uh, Villastato. He could post more of those and <laughs> people might more appreciate those than coming from my mouth. But I, I'm i still confused almost and just bewildered that this happened. I feel like as Villa fans, Dom, we've kind of been wondering how we'll come up against these sides. Of course, earlier on in the season, away at Liverpool, it just it didn't work out away kind of troubles have been a thing this season but I mean let's talk about the home form for a minute I I I felt like most Villa fans probably expected this run against City and of course still to play Arsenal next on Sunday at home um, yet to be determined if Fortress Villa Park still stands tall and this unbeaten streak at home is still a thing but I mean after this result and even heading into that one maybe I'm deluded but I just think it's still going to be a thing but how are you feeling all about it? And is that belief there with you as well? That belief was there because if you win 14 games in a row at home, while some of the opposition hasn't been top level, we have still beat, you know, like Brighton twice and Spurs in amongst that run. Um, 
it doesn't matter who you play to an extent because when you play that many games, you're bound to draw one of those games. Like that Nottingham Forest game, we could have drawn at home. Um, obviously, I think Traore gets the first goal, then Watkins finishes it off right at the death. But games like that, we probably normally draw. But it's just been going on for so long now that it doesn't really matter. I, I don't think it really matters whether it's a myth or whether it's real now because if people believe it to be real, then that makes it real. If that makes sense, like you look at Man City, they knew coming to Villa Park, they've got a tough game. The aura around Villa Park is back, especially in those night games when the atmosphere is really rocking. And especially in those games where, you know, what we did at the early stages in Bremen and what we did really well yesterday, as you, as you touched on, is starting that first 10 minutes with such a ferocious intensity and getting the crowd going and getting the team running and intimidating the opposition early on, putting down that kind of marker. Those are all essential aspects of this home form. And Fortress Villa Park is real, not just because Emery makes it so, but also because away teams don't want to come and play here because you're probably going to lose. And for as long as we're at Villa Park, we're favourites. It's becoming like, what's the, you know, we have to compare ourselves to Newcastle because they're the team that got into the top four last season. They, that's what they've done with St James's Park. It's absolutely terrifying to go and play that, as we found out at the start of this season and as the likes of PSG found out in the Champions League. It's a really tough place to go and play football and making Villa Park that kind of cauldron, that real focal point of our team and and making, making a home game really count. It's a sign of a top team and it's what we have to do. We have to use, use our home ground to our full advantage and we do and you know, looking at the Arsenal game, as you mentioned, you know, quickly, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk on it more later, but that means it doesn't matter who we play now, especially after that performance, we're favourites for almost every home game we play, if not every, because we can re if we can produce that against City, we can reproduce that against anyone, whether it's Arsenal, whether it's Liverpool, whether it's whoever we come to and hopefully touch we're providing we get to the latter stages of the Conference League. I, I fancy it. I just really fancy it. And I think after yesterday, I've given up sort of trying to be like, oh, you know, let's be balanced. Let's temper expectations. We've started really well. I think we're a really good team. I think we can get top five, but we might get like sixth or seventh. After last after last night, um, just sort of, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not anything? Why not top four? Why not top three? Why not top two? Why not whatever? Because with Unai Emery, I think we can do anything. And with Villa Park behind us, as you say, and it is, it is that fortress. Even if we lose it to Arsenal, it's still a fortress. Um, we have that, and that's an absolute, it's a key weapon in our Arsenal going into the rest of the season and moving forward. And it's amazing because, you know, it's an amazing stadium and it deserves to have that kind of aura and that feeling and atmosphere around it. No, oh, 100%. And I, I feel like, I mean, it's a sign of good teams at any time when either you have an incredible away form or vice versa with home form uh, of course it's very hard to get that balance in between the two and we've of course talked about in previous podcasts where Villa's away form has been patchy you I guess you would have to say to be fair but under Unai Emery with this side I feel like you just know eventually they're going to figure it out and I'm not going to say that the home form is going to or the away form is going to match the home form necessarily because of course every team has to lose at some point um, and of course, that will come at home in the future. We're not going to go undefeated at Villa Park for the rest of time. But I just have so much confidence in this side. And we, we kind of, maybe there was some, 
I guess maybe from me internally and other Villa fans are kind of wondering, maybe you felt this way as well, Dom. I'll, I'll bring this to you in just a moment. Maybe with squad rotation, of course, people were wondering about not only sometimes with certain players in terms of quality, uh, of course, Jacob Ramsey's back, uh, Alex Moreno's back, which is massive. But I think going into this period where it's every three or four days, of course, we have a, a Euro, uh, Conference League game. I always want to call it just Europa League for some reason. Maybe that's next season. Maybe it's Champions League. Well, there's a question about that. We'll get to that in a bit as well. There's so much to cover. But I, I kind of wondered when maybe the tired leg syndrome, maybe um, that would catch up to us if it would. But considering who played yesterday, of course, you look at Konza filling at a right back, no cash whatsoever. Bailey played 85 minutes. Tillman's played basically right behind Watkins the entire game. Um, until the 85 minutes, I should say, as well. But you still have a bash, uh, a bench, sorry. I'm just, I don't know. I feel like this this result has just <laughs> made me lose any ability to speak. But you have a bench of Matty Cash, Alex Moreno, Clement Longley, Moussa Diaby, um, Zaniolo, Durand, Donker, Jacob Ramsey, and of course, a backup keeper on there as well with Marshall. But I, I, I think it's important to emphasize those substitutes because whether it's Arsenal or whoever in the league or, of course, in a cup or, of course, in the conference league going forward in the knockout rounds, you look at the bench, you look at the starters. There's so many different combinations we can play within this side that I'm honestly, at this point, I'm not even worried about fatigue. It's, I, I know maybe it's a little bit of a silly thing to say, and some people can say, wait till the kind of latter stages of the season, but I think there's enough quality in this side that we can kind of put those worries to bed. Maybe something gets addressed in January. Maybe one addition comes in, maybe one or two leave. Who knows? But how are you feeling about squad depth, kind of looking at that bench in particular, squad rotation? Because like many people say, December can be a make or break month throughout the Premier League table. And of course, that's evident. Whether you're staying up, you want to be mid-table, you want to qualify for Europe or even win the league. How are you feeling about all that? Because I, I think it's important to kind of bring up and discuss. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'd say we have great depth in every position bar two, which is goalkeeper and striker, which are the two places to have, two places that are mo most difficult to have great depth for because no goalkeeper and no striker is ever happy being second fiddle. And you, and most teams tend not to change either. So if you're coming in to be a second choice goalkeeper, a second choice striker, that's what you are. We aren't going to get a very good second striker. And if we are, we might have tried that with the Danny Ings thing and look at, look how that went. It messed up the whole team, in my view. Um, and the goalkeeper thing, the top goalkeeper isn't going to come here and sit on the bench. Those two positions aren't going to be improved. You might see who leaves in January and replace based off that. But the depth that we have is amazing. And I mean, you know, Emery was already you know, made attempts to rotate players into different minutes. Like, Diaby's minutes have been managed a lot more this past week. He's obviously didn't start either the last two games, which to me makes me think that he will start a fresh Diaby against Arsenal. Obviously, Matty Cash as well hasn't been able to get in the team. After Bournemouth, you would have assumed he came in for the City game. Didn't, to some surprise. And then Diego Carlos was absolutely fantastic. Um, all three of Kamara, Louise and Tiedemann's play, but Jacob Ramsey is going to come back into this team at some point. And when he does, I think we're going to score more, even more goals because that's what he provides. And obviously, Alex Moreno, Luca Dean, you know, speaks for itself based on how Dean has been keeping him out of the team, even though Moreno's been back for it for a few weeks now. 
you could argue you want another right back. I probably would be interested in another right back if you could get one. But that's being fussy because Esri Conta is getting better at that every week. And when he plays there, we can play a sort of different style to what we play when Cash plays there. So I think our squad depth is very good. for Compared to other teams around us, we've had our injuries, but I think we've managed them better and we've built a more rounded squad with a good balance of experience, a good balance of our spine and a good balance of a couple of younger players as well, like the with the likes of John Durant. I don't know if you can class Jacob Ramsey as a young player now, but I'll throw him in there for the sake of my argument. You know, Timira Boonham's there if, if he's needed. Um, with players like that around in the squad and the good balance and the blend that we have, as I say, that European experience, players who are used to doing the lighter training sessions, the more the more analysis and the more games and the Wednesday, Sunday or whatever it is, or Thursday, Sunday, whatever it tends to be. Those kinds of players in the squad are really helping and having a manager who's won like four Europa Leagues or whatever as well. So I think compared to our counterparts and our competitors up at the top, aside from those who like Liverpool, City, Arsenal, who have just been spending way more than everyone else consistently, except for United and Chelsea, except United and Chelsea haven't spent well, um, they're obviously on a whole different level. But outside of that, I think we've got some of the best depth in the league, I really do. And that is yet another reason why I feel confident saying that we're probably the fourth or the fifth best team in the league. Um, and that's at this stage, that's becoming a conservative estimate, which is a crazy statement, but it's true. So we might have more injuries. We might have a few players drop off out of form, come back into it. But if those things happen, I know we've got players who can step in and this team are used to setbacks and used to comebacks um, with the likes of, you know, the Toro Mings injury, the only Wendier injury. Um, even the Ramsey Moreno injuries were obviously not as bad as the other two, but still quite serious injuries. We, yeah, will, no, I... we will make do and Emery will adapt. And that, that's all there is to say. I trust him to adapt. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry there. I didn't realize you're going to keep talking down my, no, my no, apologies. No, right. <laughs> I was I was running out of breath because I just keep talking. That's my bad. <laughs> well, no, it's I, I think, to be honest, it's one of those things. And I, I kind of find that with the both, both of us during this recording. It's it's not just the win. It's I think it's this season where yeah, you can say there's a bit of disbelief and maybe we kind of go off on tangents and I, I just think yeah. it's wanted. And it's, there's so much to think about. And me as a Villa fan in particular, like just quickly, I kind of reminisce to when I started versus all the things we've gone through. And I, I feel like it's one of those kind of full circle things. I know it's only 15 games in and people can reference that. We are close to the halfway mark. I think it's important to mention as well. I think maybe the thing I forgot to preface at the, the very start of this podcast is this is a third place Aston Villa side that just leaped over Manchester City. I have a two point lead on them. We're four points off the top. And now I'm not going to say we're title contenders just yet. I mean, if we beat Arsenal, the, the media is going to go nuts and put us that way anyways, because it's very a very easy headline. And I, I think it's warranted at that point, whether it happens or not is extremely unpredictable and who knows. But you sit back and you look at this side and I, I kind of want to spend maybe a few minutes now with you, Don, kind of, we, we could talk about every single player. We could be here for hours, but the two I want to hone in on. And previously I mentioned is Emmy Martin runners with those two saves. And I think that has to be talked about and of, as well, Leon Bailey. And we've been saying this about Leon Bailey for most of this season, I would have to say, but last night was the best performance I've ever seen from Leon Bailey in a Villa shirt. And I'm not saying he hasn't had incredible games before, and I think he has. 
but the confidence, the trouble he was causing to that defensive back line, even tracking back at times, that was the most complete all around performance. And I want to get your thoughts on it, Dom, because I'll, I'll say mine after, but I could just go absolutely crazy about that performance. But let me know about those two in particular, because one at one end makes two massive saves that keeps the game level and keeps that momentum and shifts it back to Villa, in my opinion. Because shortly after that, Villa just ran the rest of the first half. And it was evident because, of course, City had no shots after the 11th minute, of course, for the rest of the game. And then Leon Bailey having that shot, of course, in the first half that was saved, like I said before, causing them trouble and, of course, getting the game winner in the 74th minute. Tell me how you feel about those two in particular. I think... I think I've, I really like what you're doing, Cole, because I don't think enough people will shout out Amy Martinez. What I would say about that is that all top teams, all title-challenging Champions League teams, they all have top goalkeepers, like absolute top goalkeepers. And we have, as the Villa fans like to remind us from the stands, um, the world's number one. And when you play Man City... You're going to concede chances. Obviously, we set the record for the fewest chances conceded to Man City. Um, of course, we did, in, in, and in Pep's career as well against a Pep team in the league division. Sorry, I didn't just remind you of that. But um, the chances are going to come, and the way we play with the high line and the not always high pressing, sometimes a mid block, even though obviously we, we press really well and really high and aggressively against Man City, and it's what won us the game. We're going to concede chances, um, whether they're offside or not. And when you have a goalkeeper who is that good you just feel better because we couldn't, the way that we play couldn't sustain without him. Martinez and Watkins are the two keys to this team. And having a goalkeeper that good just, and make, you know, the way he makes that first save is brilliant. And the speed at which he gets back across and then dives to make that Haaland header for the second save across his entire goal is just breathtaking. Um, He's probably the best keeper we'll ever see play for Villa, I think. I, I think, and I'm, I'm very happy with that, to be honest, because he's just, unbelievable um yeah so uh, that's all i have to say about martinez really is when you need him he's there he's so reliable just so reliable and the fact that we only got him for 17 million and also let him go and know their goalkeeping situation is dire um for one of the better phrase is really funny to me and really enjoyable um but in terms of leon bailey what i would say about that performance is i completely agree with you that it was definitely a level above everything he's shown so far but what I would say is that I do think it's been coming. I think that this season, especially at home, he's just shown signs of getting better and better and better. Um, I think he's looking fitter than ever before. I think defensively, he's even though Bournemouth exploited that side well at the, uh, the, the game at the weekend just gone, I think he's getting better defensively. I think his work rate's improving. I think his confidence is improving. And once he started scoring goals, he's not really stopped. The number one thing, though, that I would point out about Bailey is I think his decision-making now is like that of a world-class winger. And we haven't had a winger put in a performance like that since Ashley Young, um, easily, you know, at minimum. They were terrified of him. And the reason I pinpoint his decision-making is because he knows exactly when to check back and hold the ball up and keep the ball. He knows exactly when to drive it, you know, the likes of Josco Guardiol, who was terrified of him, as I say. He knows exactly when to cut inside and shoot, exactly when to go outside and flood you to the back post or go outside and cut it back to the penalty spot. Um, he's got so many different things in his locker. Um, he's got all of the fundamentals that you need to be an elite winger. And now that he's got fit and now that he's got confident and now that he's got 
as I say, that decision-making to know which option to choose when you've got the ball and not spend too long thinking about it, just do it. Part of that is confidence, but part of that is coaching. And you have to put it down to another Unai masterclass in terms of making individual players better for the sake of the collective. And as you say, his performance is absolutely breathtaking. I don't think you're going to disagree with me, are you? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. No, I, I don't think you could disagree on any performance i honestly i give them all 10 out of 10s like it's not even just because villa won and we can say how monumental we think this victory is dom i think it's it's the interceptions it's the closing downs it's literally blocking and doing anything to stop them i i've never seen a city side look so stressed and confused that literally losing the ball every time they try to get out of their own half that's what it felt like we literally strangled them into submission at times in their own half. And I don't know how many sides have done that. And I'm sure at some point, another side will do that. Of course, every side does have their day and every other side just has a poor performance. It's, it's in every side, no one's perfect. And we, and we know that as Villa fans, evidently, <laughs> uh, but it's definitely fair to say. Um, I do want to get to one question here. I did ask for some questions about an hour um, before we started recording this on Twitter. So thank you to the few people that did. I know during the day, whether it's UK time or um, here in North America, um, some people don't go on Twitter or a lot of people don't. So fair enough, because we all have working lives and different things to attend to at certain points a day. So thank you to the few that did. The one I did want to get your opinion on, Dom, is from Mr. Fitz. And he says, hitting the heights we did yesterday, do we need any improvement anywhere with or without the ball? Could we look to pass that ball square and then have a shot? What do you think we could have done differently? I think he's referencing probably the Leon Bailey um, effort in the first half where, of course, Ollie Watkins um, was saying after it went out for a corner that he was calling for it and it could have been squared. But the hindsight's kind of a wonderful thing. He's saying that's a tough one to call. But where do you kind of sit like with that? Do you think there could have been any kind of improvements yesterday, even with that performance or kind of going forward with that momentum? Good question. Um, what I'm really enjoying is that I'm struggling to think here. What I would say about the Bailey chance there, just to touch on that quick, is it's very easy to say he should have cut it back. Yeah. He should have cut it back. But Watkins would have shot. Any He would have shot. There's no one's debating that Ollie Watkins has a shot there. And all strikers, when they're confident, shoot. It's a fact of life. It's a fact of history. Like, it's the way the position was. I think most people who played football um, and you know have been around it would say that no striker in that position looks up one-on-one with the keeper at a slight angle and goes, 
instead of putting this far corner or trying to go across the near post, I'm just gonna just gonna tap it to the back post, square it, and see if anyone's there. Like you're just gonna shoot. Like it's your moment when you've been put through by an unbelievable ball from John McGinn, by the way. Obviously, you know, you want to create the best chances possible, and for that, you want Bailey to square it. But in the moment, when I talk about someone who's confident, fit, and firing, he's gonna shoot, even if it's on his weaker side. So I think that's one of those nuances where any it's a, it's a sign of a good thing, really, that our players are confident and just wanting to score goals when they get the ball. In terms of improvements that can be made, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, the only the only things you could talk about are making sure that the adaptations for the injured players like Ramsey Moreno coming back in is fine. Um, you could talk about just making sure that the balance is right between away no well the the balance is right between defending and attacking in terms of like how much do you want to press this game how much do you want to sit off in the mid block you know how much do you want to play direct um which i think we did in the second half against bournemouth is probably why we didn't win that game um how much do you want to play on the floor um and just making sure that the consistency is there because consistency is what you need to stay near the top of this league but it's I'm just I'm struggling here for nitpicking, really. You know, normally if I was analysing the whole like the Gerard thing, I'd be like, right, this needs to improve, this needs to improve, this needs to improve. In this transfer, we need to do this, 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 and this, and this. But literally, like Unai Emery's got a squad where, like, I think it was all but two played under Gerard. Uh, all but yeah, all but two were under Gerard, and all but four under Smith from the lineup last night. And the foundations laid by Dean Smith. What credit? Um, Steven Gerrard, who I think delayed things for us in the end, unfortunately, not credit. But the way that Unai Emery's just transformed some of these individual footballers is just a job that they need to write books about him, man. They need to write books about him. He's just his obsession with football and detail and analysis and relentless ethic of improvement of himself and of the team and of his tactics and of literally everything about himself and the whole environment and culture that he sets are the definition of elite. And it's that working culture and that belief that has got us to where we are. And it's that working culture and belief that means that we don't have to stop now. So in terms of nitpicking, there are probably people who know more about football than me and you who could like pick things out. And there's stuff that you know you could nitpick, but overall, I mean, I don't really care to be honest. <laughs> if this is as good as the ICE Villa, that's fine by me, mate. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Um, it's again, I, I get lost for words if I think about it too long. The one thing I will say about the Leon Bailey thing is it's it's a 50-50 thing. If he if he slips it across and either Watkins misses, it doesn't get to him, he gets intercepted or it just zips by everybody, then you look at the other way and think, oh, he should have shot. So you know exactly. what? It hindsight's uh a beautiful thing and also an awful thing. Um, another one actually that's kind of we can lead into the Arsenal game now, and I think that's probably a good way to do this. Um, I hope I do not butcher your name, and I do apologize for this. Uh, Larchidalia, I think it is. <laughs> I do apologize. I'm terrible with names and remembering them. Um, basically, they ask, How can we translate our home form to away games? I know we briefly kind of touched on that, but we can talk about it briefly now. I think it's important as well. Also, how can we play with that intensity and consistency for 90 plus minutes um, in the Arsenal game and beyond? 
or was it yesterday a one-off? Maybe we'll actually focus more on that than the away discussion. So what's been the away discussion? I'm going to change that rule now and we'll focus on the consistency going into the Arsenal game because Dom, I think it's important to preface that some people, especially Arsenal fans can say, Oh, you know, it was an emotional day or evening for Villa. They played all their best players, which of course we still have very good players on the bench as we previously referenced yada, yada, yada. But I think it's also very important to reference that, of course, they did play on Tuesday. Yes, they have an extra day's rest, but they basically played their fully fit side, aside from a few injuries, of course. And with that being said, that was a 4-3 game against Luton, and Luton ran them very, very close. And there's going to be a lot of emotion with a Rice last-minute winner, all that kind of stuff, having to literally play full throttle to the end, as Villa did as well, to hold on for that win, which has to be prefaced as well. So how do you think Villa approached this one going into the Arsenal match? And do you think that kind of, like, of course, this question kind of phrases it, Villa can maintain that same momentum going into this Arsenal game? Because I I feel like, personally, it's a different momentum that's going to be required against Arsenal and a different game plan, but let me know your thoughts. What I would say is that while I'm not taking away any credit from Villa for the way they suffocated Man City from the start of that game, Arsenal are going to play better. Arsenal have, in terms of their midfielders, you look at someone like Declan Rice, who is who is elite, best in class, arguably, and you look at the confidence that they have, they'll see the City, as you said earlier, I think you were quite right in saying this actually, they'll see the way we beat City as an opportunity to to, to one-up City, to come here and one-up City, and they'll be really up for that. They've had a knack of getting some late winners um, this season. They're really, you know, getting the players up after what happened last season and making them even more merciful, making them merciless um, and ruthless and making them play like champions is a massive credit to Arteta. And he's also starting to get the best out of Havertz and Using him, in, I think he's almost his own position, is what I'd say. He's just using, he's just letting it. He's got a Havertz role that Havertz plays to get the best out of him, and it is starting to bear fruit. Everyone's going to be up for this game, Villa and Arsenal, even more so after last night. And what I would say is, as I say, I think it's going to be very difficult. But I do also think that after last night, you'd be dumb to write off Villa. You'd be dumb, especially the way that we could break that all-time club record and get that 15 wins in a row against the team that we last lost to at home the storylines, an evening game again. It's going to be dark outside. You know, floodlights are going to be on. The confidence of the players is going to be high. There's going to be a bit of a couple of changes you would assume. You might see Moreno come in. You might see Cash come in. You might see DRB, probably the key one. You might see come in. Who knows? You might see Ramsey come in. Emery will change some things tactically. He doesn't, he likes to do that game on game. All I know is that at home, I don't see a world touch wood where Villa turn up and just completely embarrass themselves. At minimum, I think we're going to have a go and I think it's going to be a very good game and I think we're going to have periods of good quality and periods of control. And I'm optimistic after last night. So, I don't know. Arsenal are going to see it as an opportunity. So are we. I think it's all set to be a fantastic game of football club. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree with more. It's tricky because I I know you'll get Arsenal fans that comment on this stuff and that Again, I don't really understand their hatred for uh, Una Emery, to be honest. Like I've said previously, I don't know how many times anyone coming after Arsene Wenger or uh, an Alex Ferguson type is always going to have a very difficult time 
Um, and I think just their whole policy post Vanger for a little bit was poorly laid out. I think it was evident of that. And I think Unai Emery, in my opinion, was just unfortunately one of the, the victims of that consequence, to be honest, because I just didn't feel like they had the team set up and the players they brought in to fit his style. And maybe you could argue maybe, you know, what the likes of Villarreal and Aston Villa would say, maybe that kind of building them up into something is his style more so than having to reestablish an Arsenal side who, let's be honest, fourth and finishing fourth was their goal for <laughs> a good long while, aside from, of course, the Leicester season, where I think they finished second, of course, if I'm remembering correctly. It's a tricky one. And looking at that game in particular, you can sit back and say, you know what, there's goals for this Arsenal team against Villa in that high line. But then again, you look at Erling Holland last night and you sit back and think there's a few times that he was caught offside and fell into that trap. And Villa ended up walking away from Villa Park with a clean sheet. And of course, it was the first one for a good while. And of course, we could concede on Sunday. And to be honest, I would probably expect us to. But like I've referenced before, you look at Arsenal against Luton, they conceded three, and you'd be kidding yourself if Una Emery wasn't right back on the computer referencing that game, looking at how Arsenal conceded those three goals and seeing how maybe he can tweak those things a little bit to fit his system. And there's goals for us too. I, and I think that's evident. And again, it's this time of year as well where clean sheets are a dime a dozen. It's very rare, in my opinion. The the festive fixtures are always hectic, and we all know that. And typically we expect goals. And then it feels like as soon as we get to January, all the games are like one nils for a little bit because everyone has to kind of catch their breath, especially the players. But again, to kind of sit back and look at it, and maybe, again, like I've referenced before, Arsenal fans will think we're deluded in saying this. I have every belief that Villa can win this game. And... 100%. That's every game. And speaking to Liverpool fans prior to the 3-0 loss at Anfield during the season, thinking that Villa could get something out of that, they were confident they were going to smash us. And fair enough, they they beat us well and true. But I just think this is a different beast. This is a much further along developed beast. And what Villa can get out of this game, I, I think we're going to learn a lot where Villa are in this game. I think we thought that against City too. And I think we did learn a lot about this side as well. But with that probably little tweaks of rotation that you're going to have to expect. Maybe maybe it is the same side that started against City, but you would expect substitutions to probably happen a little bit sooner. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be extremely tough. And maybe to reference the one of the last questions now, Jazz Singh did send in about t 10 questions. So sorry, Jazz, we can't reference all of them. But I'll throw this to you, Dom. And it's more of a kind of a, a preferencing thing uh, before we get to the ultimate question. So we'll, we'll take two of of theirs of course the first one asking should we stick with diego carlos and will he keep improving as he has done since coming in under unai emery staying healthy we'll, we'll start there and i want to get your thoughts there because i i think that kind of neatly um and interestingly kind of flows into this arsenal game because does unai emery keep the same back four does ezri konza keep maddie cash out at right back and keep Diego Carlos in alongside Pau Torres. So how do you kind of expect the back four to line up? And what are your really thoughts on Carlos thus far and as of recent? Before I get onto that, there's some there's something that you referenced in there about Luton scoring three goals to, against Arsenal. I just want to quickly point out that 
I'm not sure if all three, but at least two of them are from set pieces. Yes. We're the best set piece team in the league. Just point, I'm just going to point that out. Yeah. <laughs> so first of all, let's point that one out. Um, and second of all, in terms of what I would do, I'll I'll t- I'll t- I'll tell you what I'll do and why, and then I'll talk about Carlos. So I wouldn't play Carlos. Um, I would bring in Cash and Moreno, and that's because for me, Arsenal's two greatest strengths really are their wingers, and we need really good one v one defenders out wide. And while Conter is a brilliant one v one defender. I think they're going to create and concert in the middle next to Torres feels a settled partnership. You can't drop concert. And I want Cash and Moreno, who for me are both better 1v1 defenders on the outside and quick and um, better defensively than the alternative. So, and that's not to disrespect the wingers that City had last night. I just think it's a different game. And that's personally what I would go for, but I don't know anything. Uh, Uno Emery's the man. And Diego Carlos-wise... He's obviously really struggled with his injuries. He's had moments where he's looked really good, moments where he's looked less good. But I thought last night he was imperious. And what I hope to see is I hope to see where he settles and where he lands. Because, you know, I think as Villa fans, we need to learn the lesson. We look at Leon Bailey and how he started really poorly. And, you know, I was one of many criticising him. And, you know, at the time you're right to criticise him based on his performances. But look at where his feet seem to be landing now. And just remember that that can happen for any player. And while I'm not saying that Diego Carlos has been at the same level as early, early on set Bailey. What I'm saying is that consistency will will be found is you're talking about an experienced top European defender and he will get that fitness and that confidence and that rhythm and feel that settled, feel more settled. And when that happens, that's when we can really judge him as a player. But there's a lot of very good signs from him already. So he's just another really good option to have at the back. And I'm really excited at the way he can play sometimes. No, I think that was very well answered. And I, I do think there's, of course, there's a ceiling for every player. We haven't seen that with Diego Carlos just because the sample size is so small. But I, I think a lot of people were kind of wondering how he'd fit in, of course, coming from a, I guess you, I guess you could say Steven Jarrett had a system. I'm still not sure what the hell it was. Um, then to come in under Una Emery. But I think it just kind of falls under that whole kind of encompassing umbrella of literally he's made every player better and I think a lot of people kind of were wondering if it was going to be one of those cases with Unai Emery of you know what if you're not good enough you're gone to fit into a system but it's just he's found that way to almost make everyone fit seamlessly into the system and I think that's the best thing and that that's of course the the all-encompassing thing of being a a fantastic manager which of course Unai Emery absolutely is and Dom I I think this is probably the best way to finish the podcast and this is Jazz's one of Jazz's many questions but this is gonna be the final one and I think it's a good way to leave it a little bit of optimism we're leaving this more of an open-ended podcast we could fully preview Arsenal and I think we've done a good job of doing it to a certain extent but I think we do have to kind of leave and I guess a little bit of a, a little bit of the curtain kind of in front of our eyes to see what's going to happen and kind of continue that excitement per se. I know we talked about this pre-recording, but Jazz does ask, can we really compete for the title or for the Champions League? So how are you going to answer that one? Because I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And then I'll I'll try to see if I can muster up the strength to answer it myself. I think we're one of the favourites for the Champions League in terms of the title. I've learned under Unai Emery that anything is possible. And while the odds are stacked against us, and I think you'd be pretty crazy, to be honest. Well, I don't think you'd be crazy, actually. That's wrong. I don't think you'd be crazy to say that we're in the race. Um, We still 
there's still a gap to make up. But if we keep winning games and see where we are come March, then it could be a very interesting end to the season. I'm not writing anything off. <laughs> it's it's so hard to really say. And I, I feel like, and again, the, the media is going to, if Villa yeah. do beat Arsenal, that's when they jump on officially. And fair enough. I mean, the proof the proof is already in the pudding in my eyes, in Villa fans' eyes, but that's when your neutrals and all that stuff start to pay more attention. Um, I'm sure that's when also all of our players get linked with moves to City, United, and Arsenal as well, 10 times more a day than they already have. It's tricky to answer, and I could sit back and kind of sit on the fence and say, wait till after the Arsenal game. I think, honestly, like you said correctly, Dom, I think considering that there should be a fifth spot this season in the Champions League for the Premier League, I I, oh, I don't want to jinx it. I'm so scared of that. But, like, I just think – I wouldn't say we're a shoe in but we have a very, very good chance to be in the Champions League next season, whether it's through qualification rounds to get in that way, whatever it may be. I think we have as strong as chances – anyone in and around us to be honest yes we could have a little bit of a tail off i expect that with any side in the season you I mean you look at city right now this is usually theirs and then the second half they just run away with it it feels like and that's kind of their theme under pep the last few seasons who knows we'll have to wait and see with the title um again for me maybe i'll sit on the fence with this one and i will say maybe one thing i'll oh, call what's that no, i was just gonna say sorry i didn't mean to i just i was i was disappointed that you said you were going to sit on the fence i was really upset okay i'm not going to say the, the, the i guess maybe it's not sitting on the fence but maybe it is i guess l- l- let me know feel free to tweet me or the of course the 7500 whole twitter account or on facebook as well um little plug there of course shamelessly um the one thing i will say most importantly is if villa get through this month of december coming out like roses then i will say absolutely we're in with a shout of it this is the toughest month. And I think it has to be prefaced yeah. with that because there's so many games. And maybe being out of the Carabao Cup, EFL Cup, whatever it's called these days, is almost a blessing at this point. Because I look at Newcastle's schedule and they still have a Champions League game. They still have um, a quarterfinal game coming up as well. They're literally playing three or four days for the rest of the month, it seems like. Villa have a little bit of a break, and that might be a blessing, to be honest, based on what we can achieve at this point in time. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe that is sitting on the fence. A lot of people could say if Villa do beat Arsenal, again, they have a good chance of not as well, that maybe that's the time to proclaim it there. I just think it's a little too early. And again, that is sitting on the fence. But I think it's important to be realistic. And you know what? If you're a true optimist and you want to sit out and say, hell yeah, we can win the league from now on, I applaud you and I love your bravery. I don't know if I'm as brave to say that because... Unfortunately, with me, my expectations slowly grow the more success we have. And with that, there's a little bit of danger too. So as a Villa fan, I'm going to hold back and be slightly reserved on some things and overly optimistic on a few things. And that's just because we've, you know what, Dom, we've, we've, we've felt a lot of pain as Villa fans over the last decade or so. So why not enjoy it, see what happens, and kind of go from there, right? Exactly. And you made the smart point. December is the busy month. Let's see what happens at the end of December. Let's see what December leaves us for the January window, because if we're in a really good position, more players will want to come and join us. And it's whether what options do I, Emery, Munchie, Vidigali want to take up, of course. But as you say, 
we've been through enough. Um, we've been on one of the most magical roller coaster rides and also most awful roller coaster rides as well. Um, <laughs> at the other side of it in football in the past like 10 years. So I think we've earned the right to dream, if nothing else. Well, absolutely. If Newcastle have the right to dream and enjoy this, and of course they went through a relegation, um, basically almost alongside us as well within the same time range, roughly. Um, going through maybe not as bad things in terms of almost going to administration. Um, but all in all, I, I think you have to just bask in it and enjoy it. And I'm not saying this is going to be a thing that doesn't last for a long time or whatever. Maybe it lasts for five years, a decade, whatever. We'll have to wait and see. But again, the progress is there. The proof is in the pudding. Villa are the real deal. And I, I think this is a good way to leave this one. So we'll leave it there. I know it. Pro I probably said to Dom pre-recording, I forget now that it'd be a quick one. Um, a quick one for the whole cast is probably <laughs> at least 40 minutes. So I'll pat myself on the back for that one. So of course, thank you to Mr. Dom Phillips for joining me as well. You can find him on Twitter slash X at Dom Phillips 2 Tweet me at talk aston villa tweet the team at 7500 holt if you want to email anything over to the podcast holtcast at gmail.com is the place to email us and if you want to send anything written content wise have your thoughts shared on the website we're always willing to post those up there of course email them over to 7500 holt main at gmail.com we'll leave it there we should be back post arsenal hopefully Fortress Villa Park stands tall, even with a negative result. It's still standing tall with this season. It's ridiculous. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully another win. Hopefully we can dream even bigger. And don't forget, up the Villa. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.